This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Classical Ideas Podcast. Welcome to the Classical Ideas Podcast. This is Greg Soden. People hold their religious and spiritual convictions close to their hearts and oftentimes adhere their entire day-to-day lives based on the teachings of specific teachers or spiritual figures. For the most part, I'd like to believe these associations are positive and are reciprocal relationships for everyone involved. If the relationship stops producing lasting benefit, perhaps that relationship should end. Oftentimes it does. I feel it's reasonable to suggest you or someone you know has held a religious belief in the past that they no longer hold. It's pretty common. 21% of American adults polled by Gallup in 2016 held no formal religious belief, but it's reasonable to believe that a large portion of them used to. So why do people leave? The answers vary widely from relatively benign, such as just not believing someone or something anymore based on new ideas or arguments that are now available to you that were previously unavailable, to very serious, like an abuse or loss of trust between a teacher and student. Religion is so immensely powerful and has such sway over people in some cases that it can leave a lasting imprint on their lives, well-being, and psyche. As you know, if you are a longtime listener of this podcast, these conversations are not gotcha conversations that seek to insult the beliefs of anyone because there are plenty of podcasts that do that. This podcast is all about asking genuine questions that are inquiring in nature, but not aggressive. I've wanted to talk to an ex-member of an intensely held belief system that was potentially viewed as outside the mainstream, quote-unquote radical in nature, or might be viewed as having controversial beliefs. And today I bring you a conversation with a young man named Brandon, whose last name I am withholding for privacy reasons. Brandon and I have never met, are not friends on social media, and never spoke prior to our recorded conversation. It's likely as you listen to this conversation, you will think of questions you think I should have asked, and you may have your preconceived notions of what this conversation should be like. But please remember, this is the first time Brandon and I ever spoke. I just wanted to ask a few good questions and ask about some of the lessons learned from the experience of my guest. No gotchas, no judgments, no attacks. Just a few questions that interested me in the moment. Leaving a strongly held belief, also called defecting sometimes, can take a toll on the defector. In this conversation, I was seeking to just listen and ask a few questions. 
Brandon used to be a member of a church called the Church of God Preparing for the Kingdom of God, led by Ronald Wineland, which was a splinter group of the Worldwide Church of God, founded by Herbert W. Armstrong. The group holds an apocalypticist view of end times prophecy and the end of the world as we know it. Brandon left the group in 2013. Without further ado, here is my conversation about defecting from radical splinter groups with my guest, Brandon. Welcome to the Classical Ideas Podcast. I am here today with Brandon, and we are going to have an interesting conversation. So, Brandon, thanks for coming on the Classical Ideas Podcast. Hi, thanks for inviting me. So, I'm curious if you can uh, introduce yourself a little bit to the audience and maybe talk about why you're here today on the podcast. Uh, like we said, my name is Brandon. Um, I was a member of a splinter group of the Church of God, preparing for the Kingdom of God, from 2008 to 2013. I'm here just to kind of talk about it a bit and, uh, and kind of get kind of stated in factual terms. It's always been kind of an emotional thing for me, but I thought looking at it in a more in a more um, uh, secular way would kind of help me a bit and also could help inform everybody else what was going on. So I know that you have some potential personal disclaimers that you'd like to make right off the bat. Um, if you just want to mention some of those, that'd be great. Right, yeah. Like I said, I haven't been in there since 2013, uh, Pentecost 2013. I haven't practiced this in years, and I've kind of tried my best to forget about it. But uh, I I can still kind of remember. I can remember plenty of it. Uh Great. So basically kind of what you're saying is that like you don't speak for anybody inside um, or anything like that. This is all based on just your personal experiences. Right. Absolutely not. This is just my my experience in the church. Excellent. So um, how did you become affiliated with the Church of God, which was founded by Herbert W. Armstrong? Right. Uh Silly enough, I found it by clicking an ad on a webcomic that was advertising they knew who the end time, uh, who the the Antichrist was. And I was just just clicking it just out of humor, like, ah, this is stupid. And it led to a link to one of Ronald Wyland's books in PDF format. And I was kind of in a weird state. Back then, I was just looking for answers, and I read it cover to cover, and that's when I started reaching out to them. So it was it was through online. When you became um, affiliated with the Church of God, what were some of the core beliefs um, that you started being um, that you started learning about whenever you joined up? Some of the most fascinating things I started to learn was their belief in a. British Israelism, which is basically like the concept of like the United uh, of the lost tribes of Israel, the United States is Manessa and the Prince of Ephraim. Uh, basically, I, I didn't know the term back then, but the terms Armstrongism, uh, which is ba- off, based off of Herbert Armstrong, 
just there's like a lot of little details to make them different from mainstream Christianity. But like we had the Sabbath on from Friday dusk to Saturday dusk. So basically the seventh day uh, we did the holy days, the Old Testament. We didn't we weren't supposed to celebrate Christmas or Easter. Uh, there was no hell. Uh, but there's not really a heaven in the traditional Christians either. And the, the thing that sets the preparing for the kingdom of God sect from the worldwide church of God was their belief that Ronald Wineland and his wife, Laura, are the two witnesses. And that the, the church is in the Laodicean era of revelations and that Jesus was returning in a few years. And I know that there's kind of like an emphasis on end time to end times prophecy and apocalypticism isn't that isn't that accurate uh, yeah that's very accurate that's that's a key focus in most of the sermons so what does it mean um to be an apocalypticist like just to kind of define that term for listeners i would say someone who believes the end is very nigh and that we should be preparing right now physically and spiritually what would be some kind of the uh, like the methods that you would use to prepare for those approaching end times? Well, yeah, we were encouraged to buy in bulk. We were encouraged to uh, basically prepare like preppers, kind of, in a sense, like uh, for like bad times, like you know things hitting the fan, uh, and just be wary of. Uh, travel, that kind of things, um, stead yourself spiritually, make sure that you're right with God, uh, repent for your sins, basically just Christianity, but like, basically worrying about that, that bad things are going to happen, and by repenting right now, we can prevent the bad things from happening to ourselves in a way. So speaking of bad things happening, I know that something mm-hmm. big was supposed to happen on May 19th, 2013. Right. What was that thing that was supposed to happen on May 19th, 2013? Uh, it was supposed to be the same thing that was supposed to happen uh, in Pentecost 2012. Uh, the, it, it also didn't come true then either. It was supposed to be Jesus' second coming, essentially. God was to set up his government on earth through Jesus, and there was going to be a thousand years of peace. But that was going to come during the peak of a lot of destruction and self-annihilation on mankind's part. It was not, it's not so much God was going to cause the, the, the destruction as much as he was going to finally let, our, let us off our chains and let us destroy ourselves until he stops us. So what wound up happening instead on May 19th, 2013? Absolutely nothing. And so I'd imagine that for you, that was kind of a a fairly eye-opening experience to hear that something so big was supposed to happen on such a specific day, and then for it to not happen. What was kind of like the aftermath of your experience of living through that inside the church? Uh, Well, after that day, I never listened to another sermon or attended again, I kind of broke up, broke with it right then. Uh, personally, I was very lost for a while, and 
for a bit I was relieved, but then I got really angry about all the time and just emotion that I wasted. And just the, 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 the mental investment and the worrying and just I put all of myself through that. It felt like I wasted so many years. So why did you wind up leaving specifically? Like, um, was that the only like reason was just the, the, uh, the disappointment over the lack of uh, occurrence of the end time prophecy? Yeah, that was why I was there. And I, I did eventually, I did first have doubt when it didn't happen in 2012, but Mr. Wineland put up a good argument and I was desperate. So I stayed and mostly I stayed because I thought, I, th- I thought, I thought that was, I thought that I had found God. And yeah. I finally left because, well, I, I realized that this wasn't, if there was a God, this wasn't where He was, because Wineland's clearly a false prophet because he speaks false prophecies. Did you want the end? of the world to happen on May 19th, 2013, if you could put yourself back in that position, were you like kind of excited for something like that to happen? I was desperate for it to happen. Why? Can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah, I wanted the world, I wanted the world as we knew it to end. I, I thought I saw a lot of bad in people and a lot of bad in the world. And I I saw a lot of bad in myself. And I hope that by getting us to restart on the right foot that we could do it right. I guess I was at a point in my life where I really wanted where I really wanted things to be better and I was worried about the future, I guess. Mhm. Would you um would you still consider yourself a Christian right now? No, I became an atheist on that day. So Obviously, this is like a really um, important and impactful time period in your life, uh, basically stemming around that 2013 date from 2008 to 2013. I mean, these seem to be be really important years. Yeah, that was between I was 17 when I joined, at least like when I believed it, when I started reading and believing it. And then I left when I was about 23 or so. And that was the core of me growing up as a person and seeing the world. And it kind of, it did leave a big impact on me, I think. Did any of your like family, longtime family members or friends like say anything to you about um, your membership in the church? Uh, my parents were very skeptical, skeptical when I first joined. And my dad thought I, at first he thought I became like Jewish because we weren't supposed to celebrate Christmas and we couldn't eat unclean meats and I wanted to worship on Saturday and but eventually they realized that it was more like a fringe group and I I tried to keep the weird apocalyptic stuff like out of the conversation with them but dad did know I believed that there was going to be like a 2012 Jesus second coming Uh, they were worried but uh, my dad got to meet one of the elders of the church when we first went to when I first went to to, to meet, make contact with them. So I guess that put him at ease. Also, he went to 
he went to one uh, one gathering with me, so it kind of put him at ease a bit because it didn't seem too weird to him on the surface. Mm-hmm. He just thought it was just eccentric. Sure. So I heard you just say, uh, you know, you kind of referred to the term splinter group a little bit earlier. What does that mean? What is mm-hmm. a splinter group from Christianity? It's a smaller group off of a bigger group. And the Church of God splinter group itself, to my understanding, was a splinter group off of the Philadelphia Church of God, which was a splinter group off of the Worldwide Church of God, which people are more familiar with. It's It was created by Herbert W. Armstrong back in like the 30s, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Splinter group is a group that doesn't have beliefs that are necessarily in congruent with the larger group. So, what would you say is um, what would you say to the you of pre thousand uh, pre two thousand and thirteen? So, if you could like talk to yourself um, from like you know seven years ago or whatever, what would you say to yourself of back then, knowing what you know now and what you think now? I would tell myself to get out. I would tell myself that I I need to believe the doubt and kind of let go of hoping of the for the impossible as bad as that sounds out of context. But yeah, I but I don't I don't know if I would believe myself. I guess I would cuz it would have been me. But <laughs> I was pretty desperate. That was kind of like, it was the only thing I had going for me at the time, hoping this would happen. Um, I don't know what I could say to myself to make myself leave, but that wasn't the question. What would I say? I would tell myself that uh, to find a therapist and to talk about the issues I have, the reasons why I joined originally. So what are some of the things that you've learned about the uh, the world since leaving? Like, what have been some of your biggest, um, I know this is kind of an awkwardly used term here, but what are some of your biggest revelations about the world since you've left? <laughs> uh, well, biggest lessons, positive lessons at least. Sure, yeah, let's focus on some yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I had a pretty negative opinion on people. Uh, during the time that I was in the church, I guess the whole point is like, oh, people are bad. It, to put it very crudely. Yeah, like wickedness, right? Wickedness, yeah. Like, we deserve to be destroyed and not to be re- resurrected, and like, we deserve to, that kind of thing. Death is the best punishment, I guess. Um, but what I learned about the world and people since leaving... I've learned that there's a lot of people and there's a lot of things we believe. And it's more important about how we can get along as opposed to what we believe. And there's just, I don't know if I can say I've learned anything particular, but I've learned to have a bit more hope in people, I guess, because this might be all we got and we need to believe in what we can and people people are good and at least that's what I want to believe and I think that that sounds simple but it's also quite profound you know what I mean yeah some of the some of the most like 
basic sounding lessons are some of the most important. I completely agree. Um, so what would you say to any other people out there who might be a part of a radical or a splinter group within a religion? Like, what would you encourage them to do and seek out? I would tell them to ask themselves. If they're considering leaving, they need to consider why they're, why they're still there, whether it's a loved one or just the reasons why they went there in the first place, if those still apply, or if it's damaging to them. If doing this is damaging to you and if you're not getting happiness out of this, you need to really consider why you're still there and why you're doing this. I'm not necessarily saying they should leave, but I'm saying they should consider their well-being and the well-being of the ones that they love. Did you have any trouble getting out or was it kind of like a, like a here's the door, I'm out, and no problems? Because I know that sometimes people try to leave groups like this and it's not just as simple as walking out the door and never coming back. Yeah, mine was a lot easier about that. I just stopped showing up for service after a while i got one email from the elder who was part of who was kind of leading our group and i never replied to it and that was the last i heard of them do you consider yourself fortunate that that was the end of it yeah i'm glad i didn't have to i'm glad the only time it came up again in my life was when i brought it up yeah that's I'm very thankful for that. Well, Brandon, this has been um, a really important conversation for me. I'm really glad that you were willing to have this conversation. Sure, absolutely. I was glad I got to share. Excellent. And uh, so, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the Classical Ideas podcast. It, uh, It means a lot. So thank you so much. Thank you, Craig. Classical Ideas podcast is written and performed by me, Greg Soden. Original music is composed and performed by Derek Strabig. His music can be found at www.wearewarmmusic.com. Thanks for listening.